Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Easter at Third City, recorded Sunday, April 9th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Hey, good morning. Happy Easter. Welcome. Glad you're here. If you're joining us in the plaza, we welcome you. Broken Bow, happy Easter at Third City Broken Bow. And if you're online with us, we welcome you as well. And do you believe in miracles? I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about miracles. I mean, the most important question of Easter is, do you believe in a, in a miracle? In one specific particular you say, well, yeah, I'm here, aren't I? Here I am. Me too. But I forget to ask you how many miracles you've ever witnessed in life. You might go philosophical. You'd say, well, you know, isn't life all, you know, all of life a miracle? Yeah, it is. I guess you could say that. Not arguing that. Or you might say, oh, well, my Aunt Gladys, she made a pancake once. She poured syrup on it, and it looked just like the divine. We still have it at her house. And I'm like, how does she know what the divine looks like in the first place? And why do you keep that going? Anyway, whatever. You say, well, if Farley Dickinson would have won the NCAA tournament, that would have been a miracle. Not anymore. They pay those guys millions of dollars, so forget that. But that's not what I mean. I'm not thinking about the surprising events that, you know, that come from natural, natural phenomenon or from, you know, from kind of chance situations or long-shot victories. I mean the miracle. (laughs) I mean the one that you just have to say, well, it did or it didn't happen. Contrary to any possibility events that happen with no logical way to explain them. That's what a miracle is. And that is the question of Easter. Because contrary to what Easter has become, you know, and it's become something other than just the resurrection story. It's become a bigger thing than that, or a different thing at least. Not a bigger thing. Nothing's bigger than that. But it's become different. Well, what about this miracle that happened that, that shook the foundations of the universe when Jesus raised from the dead? That's a miracle. Now, think about this. Why does that miracle stand out among all others that might be? Well, let me put it bluntly. The Roman soldiers beat him, flailed much of the skin off his back and legs. They starved him. They dehydrated him. They crucified him, stabbed him through the lining of his heart with a spear, and buried him for three days, and then he rose from the dead. And he was very mobile. That's a miracle. That's the kind of miracle I believe in. Do you believe in that miracle? Yeah. So we all say, yeah, most of us, many of us here say, yeah. Yeah, so let's just go get some ham and chase some eggs around the yard. I don't know. (laughs) What are we here for? Not so fast. How many of you have seen that kind of miracle? Like, how many of you have actually witnessed a literal resurrection from the dead? Hands up. Not a one. Nor me. <laughs> so, so we know that logic doesn't explain it. We know science isn't going to help us with that. I think we understand crucifixions. There's lots of people in our room today that are wearing a necklace around their, 
around their neck that, that has a cross on it, or maybe you have a tattoo that way. Some of you might have tombs on your arm. I don't know. People do that now, but, but usually people aren't saying, oh, yeah, to a resurrection. They all believe in the crucifixion, but the resurrection? Mm. And there's people who are here today. You're not sure. You'd like to say yes. You, you, you'd pressure nod, yeah, I believe in it. Mm-hmm, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. And if you came here today and you're not quite sure, that's okay. I want you to be here. I believe you belong here. I thank, I, I thank you for the honesty. There's a million people going to resurrection parties all over the world who don't really believe that the resurrection is true, but they're here. And they're here for other reasons, or they're here to figure it out. That's okay. Like, do you, I don't know if you know this, there's lots of people on the first Easter Sunday that did not believe in the resurrection. Like, literally, no one. <laughs> no one. I mean, the women who went to the tomb with the spices to finish out the embalming. You know, the disciples who were hiding away, trying to figure out how to get out of town. I mean, the, the, certainly the officials that put him on the cross didn't think he was going to walk out of there alive. They were worried that somebody might feign that. But and then there's this guy named Thomas. You heard of him? He's one of Jesus' 12 core followers. Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. That's the nickname he got. Thomas, the, the poster boy of doubt. What, what a nickname. Scott the Doubter. I mean, not fun. You know. Who is he? Well, the Bible tells us some things about him. They're not much. Like, we know he was a twin. When, when, it describes him as Thomas called Didymus. The, the name Thomas in the Aramaic meant twin, the name, the title Didymus, or the nickname Didymus, meant twin in the Greek. So when he showed up, they would say, like, hey, there's twin twin. Kind of weird, but that's what they called him. I mean, you know, that's kind of bizarre. Thomas was a courageous guy. It's unfortunate that we've tagged him with doubter because he showed great courage. For instance, this is one example of that. Uh, the disciples and Jesus were on the road. It was late in Jesus' ministry before he went to the cross, very close to that time period. And they had gotten word from a distance away from a, from, from a uh, town called Bethany, which is right next to Jerusalem. They got word that Jesus' good friend Lazarus was sick, very sick. His, his sister sent word to Jesus hoping he'd come and heal him. And we know Jesus could heal anyone at that point. He could heal anyone he wanted to. And so... And so he was going to go there, but he delayed for a while. In the meantime, his disciples were very hesitant about going. The reason is because the last time they were in that area, his life had been threatened. They wanted to stone him, but he got out of it. And they believed that if they went back into that area, that Jesus would be stoned to death and they would probably be killed too. So they were afraid. But then Thomas steps up and he says this, hey, if they kill him, I'll let them kill me too. He said, let us go also that we may die with him. Now, does that sound like a doubting guy? Sounds to me like a best friend, like a a loyal person. Now, Thomas was logical. He shows up another time before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and it's it's the night before the the death of Jesus, the night before the cross. And... uh, it's the Last Supper. You've heard of that. You might know a lot about it. But anyway, 
Jesus is teaching. He's taught a whole lot of stuff. If you read John chapters 13 through 17, you see there's a lot of things he taught. And he kind of wrapped it up by saying some things like this in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. He told the 12 this, the 11 at this point. And Thomas is like his head spinning, like he's heard so much from Jesus already and and he probably just had a little bit too much. And and so he just blurts out, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How, How could we ever find the way to that place? We can't know the way. That's just a logical guy saying, give me some more. (laughs) I think Jesus was fine with that. He explained more to Thomas, and they were still confused because they didn't get it. They didn't get any of it at that point. But we all know people like Thomas. Maybe you are a person like Thomas. Like, if you don't understand, you're going to ask another question. You need more information. And you know what? I don't think God's afraid of that. Like, there's nothing wrong with you saying, God, I need more. Many, many people have gone that direction with God. So another thing we learned about Thomas, he was a thoughtful person. I think he was independent. He was a thoughtful person. And I don't think he was going to make any confession of faith unless he had enough evidence to say, I believe this. And that's where we find him on the Sunday of resurrection. We find him in a situation where they're starting to hear that Jesus is being seen by people in resurrection. And Thomas wasn't with people when that was happening. He was somewhere else. We don't know where. Even the disciples were saying, Thomas, he showed up. He, he showed us his hands and his, and his feet, and he, and he showed us that he's alive. He ate food with us. And Thomas is like, yeah, unless I see it myself, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to believe that. And you know, who can blame him? I mean, because the odds were not in favor of a resurrection. The odds were not in favor. I don't think we have any idea how desperately hopeless the followers of Jesus were at the moment of his death and that Saturday after. I mean, I just think we we have no clue. Because I think, here's the thing. I think it's worth asking myself, if I had been there like Thomas, like the others, and seen what had happened to Jesus, would I doubt too? Maybe another way to ask that question is, what would it take to convince you that one of your loved ones who is dead has raised from the dead? Like, I don't know about you, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've looked at a lot of people lying in boxes, okay? And I've had this thought many times. Wouldn't it be cool if they set up and said hello? It'd be creepy, but it'd be cool. Now, to, I'm 64, full disclosure. In my 64 years, that's happened exactly this many times. <laughs> you know? And so if it happened, I think it would be shocking, and it might take me days to figure it out. What would it take to be convinced? Raising from the dead is not a common thing. It, it hasn't happened as far as I know for centuries. 
specifically the first century. (laughs) Resurrections of dead people, no one I can think of other than the ones that I've heard of. How did those who knew Jesus best react to the news? Like, you can spin it any way you want, but simply they weren't expecting it. I mean, and they had seen resurrections, these people. Like, Thomas had witnessed a couple that Jesus had performed. His friend Lazarus, a little girl in, in Galilee who, who was raised from the dead, that Jesus raised her from the dead. Uh, there was a man who was in his funeral box going to a cemetery, and Jesus stepped up and said words, and he rose from the dead. So they'd seen it happen. Yet they had no hope. Why is that? Well, you, you think that they might think, well, he did it for them, he could do it for him. And that was after session after session where he plainly said to his disciples, I am going to die, and I am going to raise from the dead. They heard that message more than once. But you know what? All those predictions, all those experiences, forget all the brave talk. Who really expected a resurrection on Sunday morning? Literally, no one. Now, what we'll do is we'll kind of hero-size the women who went to the tomb on that Sunday morning. And, and by the way, they were very courageous. I'm not denying that. But we try to make it seem like somehow maybe they knew more than others and they were expecting something big. No. They took embalming materials with them to finish the job. They, they weren't going there in belief of a resurrection. They were going there to finish something that got hastily done the night of his crucifixion. Mark says that even the angel explained what had happened, and they fled from the tomb, trembling and afraid. Not in belief, but afraid. John says that Mary thought someone had stolen the body. Luke says that when the women came and told the apostles what the angel said, they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. They were just highly confused and wondering about the whole thing. Nonsense. That's what they portrayed. Because, duh, no one, no one raises from the dead. Not after three days. Not after being flailed by scourging. Do you have any idea what scourging was? I mean, people say the Romans invented the most cruel form of execution imaginable, the cross. Well, scourging was pretty close. You think about Rocky Balboa, the first movie, the Rocky movie, and he goes into the meat locker that his cousin Polly worked at, and he starts, you know, pounding on a carcass of, of, of uh, you know, a, a half si- a side of beef or whatever, and he starts breaking the ribs. Remember that? It's really cool. Probably improbable, but he's, he's doing it. Well, think about if Rocky was holding two implements that were made of leather tongs that had bone and iron or metal uh, infused in the tips of them, and he was over and over again slapping that meat and pulling it, and the flesh would be coming off of it. That, nobody survived that. So Jesus didn't need to go to a cross to die. He would have died of that. But they didn't stop there. Raised from the dead after carrying an eight foot six by six up a hill on a hot day in Palestine, having not drank or eaten since sundown the night before, after being beaten unmercifully over and over again by soldiers in the meantime, raised, are you kidding me? And then after being nailed to a cross through his hands or his wrists and his feet, 
and exposed in the hot sun for hours on end as people jeered at him? Are you kidding me? Raised from the dead? And then just to make things, you know, make sure things, everything happened the way it should, they took a spear and they shoved it up through his rib cage and, and, they, and they put it through his endocardium, the lining of his heart, just to make sure. Now, some people say he wasn't dead. After all of that, that somehow he just like, somehow revived himself. You know, they put a large stone over his tomb. They wrapped him like a mummy. Somehow he was able to revive himself, get out of the mummy wrap. I mean, you ever wrapped anybody in anything? And then they have to get out of it, forget it. And then he somehow got the stone away from the hole and came out and it was just like new. Yeah, that's crazy. What were his followers saying on Saturday? I don't, I don't know this. I could envision them saying, well, he was such a nice man. Like, why would anyone do this to him? Everyone loved Jesus. And he told all those wonderful stories, those parables. They were so funny, we laughed. I mean, he talked about things like God's love and forgiveness and, and you know, and, 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 uh, and he just made us all better. And oh, the miracles, I mean, when he did that thing with the bread and the fish and multiplied it for thousands, he did that more than once. It was amazing. Remember when he walked on water? That was crazy. And he believed in resurrection. He believed he would be raised, and so did we. And then we saw that. And then we saw what they did to him. And we realized impossible. Friday happened and no one would believe what could happen Sunday. I want to tell you this. I think this is something that everyone here needs to hear for themselves and for others. Doubt is not unbelief. Doubt is not unbelief. I mean, you can call Thomas a doubter. I think it's misspoken, but please do not make the mistake of calling him an unbeliever. There's no doubt like the doubt of grief. I can tell you that for a fact. I've been around enough of it. Like when someone dies that you love, there's nothing that makes people doubt God more than losing someone and struggling if there's still a God in heaven because this has happened to me. Not, and then that's not being killed like Jesus was. That's like normal death which is horrible. You see, there's two kinds of doubters. There's like the hard-boiled rationalists who just like to argue about Jesus, and they like to argue about the resurrection, and they say, you know, they, they, like they, they enjoy the doubt. They like to talk about it. They like to debate people about it. They like to throw out those, you know, those doubt bombs in whatever realm they can. Some of you went to universities and, and colleges where you went to have this professor that just wanted to make it their job to make you doubt there's a Jesus and a God and there could be a resurrection and all that. I know, I know those exist. I had one myself. And they just love the debate. But there's another kind of doubter. That's the person who says, I'm struggling in believing this. I need to see more. And I think that's fair. That's not an unbelieving skeptic. That's just a person who just needs to know more. And I, I would think there's many of those types of people in this room, in the room in Broken Bow, 
and uh, online who are watching today. People who aren't, un they're not unwilling, they're just not convinced or they haven't seen enough. And, and, and Thomas is that guy at this point. He says, unless I touch the wounds and, and I, I'm able to see, I've I got to have more. Here's what I want you to know. Doubters are welcome here. Here is the message for Easter weekend. Something like, what, 2,000 years after the, the first resurrection, of, you know, the resurrection of Jesus for all eternity for the rest of us. Doubters are still welcome at the empty tomb of Jesus. And I think the thing that we see at Thomas is one that I'm hoping that you see within yourself. And that is a heart that's willing to look. A heart that's willing to go another step. Because eight days late, later, Thomas went back and he met with Jesus in person. Eight days later, he returned. And then Jesus famously said, hey, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I often wonder how much, how much faith Thomas brought into that moment. Like, did he come with like, I don't know, 25% of faith and 75% of questions, 50% more, less, I don't know. But, but I, I, here's the thing I just, I notice about some people who want to argue about the, you know, the evidence of this resurrection, which I think is pretty strong, very strong, as a matter of fact. If you will look into it, you will see that the eyewitnesses, they're, they're, that their witness is very convincing. But people will, will do crazy things in their lives with a lot less evidence. Like, for instance, buying a house. I mean, people will go as big as possible. They'll sign the most complicated document on earth. Uh, they will take out huge mortgages over a, maybe two lifetimes. That in, you know, it just includes more life than they're going to live out. And it's a huge decision made on about that much faith, you know. And yet... Most of us in this room probably have or will make that decision. What about marriage, the decision to make the promise to love a person for an entire life? That takes some faith. I was talking to Kelly Sajovic about that this week, and she said that she asked one of her friends, Tim Sanderson, what it was like to be married, and he said it's like going all in on a pair of eights. You know, that was a pretty good comment. And he married up, let me tell you. If you ever met Rachel, she's fantastic, but... Anyway, he's right, man. You don't, you don't get all the answers. You just say, I love this person. I'm, gonna, I'm throwing in, you know. Maybe that's where you are. You, know, you don't have all the answers. You haven't figured it all out, all the evidence, but you're like, there's something here. I'm throwing in. I'm, I'm coming into his presence with my faith. You know, maybe you're in doubt. I don't know. So I, I seriously do not think Jesus is going to do for you what he did to, for Thomas. I don't think he's going to allow you to come into his presence and he's going to actually physically let you touch his hands or his side or look into his eyes, physically speaking. I don't think it's going to happen. It hasn't happened for 2,000 years. I don't think it's going to happen for you. But here's the thing. The evidence is there. And that is why the story of Thomas is so important for us. And if you're struggling, I ask you just to continue to bring your doubts back to him until he can show you how true he really is, how real his resurrection is. 
And you might have 25%, bring it to him. 35%, just don't give up on him. Thomas, he came back. And he came back again. And he came back again. And what I've noticed about people who, who struggle with the truth of Jesus and find that truth, they become amazingly powerful witnesses for that truth. And this happened for Thomas. And what we know about him from history is that once he settled into his core belief in the resurrection, he took that message across the globe. He went all the way to India and Pakistan and even into Asia to tell people about Jesus raised from the dead. He died a martyr's death to give that message. There is no truth so strongly believed as that which once doubted. And this is Easter. And this is a marvelous day to make a choice. And it's a great day to just bring some belief from non-belief or more belief from some belief. And you know that Jesus died. There's no doubt about that. We're told he died for you, that he rose from the dead. I don't think there's any doubt about that either. Because the evidence is really, really convincing. But the question God is asking you today is, what are you going to do with it? And what he told Thomas is, and he's telling you, stop doubting and believe. Here at Third City, we commune weekly. This is something that Jesus Christ instituted with his followers. He did this the night before his crucifixion. He was at a Passover meal, a Jewish meal, where he instituted a new line of reasoning about what God was doing in the world. And in the Lord's Supper, he gave his disciples bread, and then he gave them the cup. The bread symbolizing his body broken, the cup symbolizing his blood shed for us. So as a church, we regularly celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, the people who were joining him on Thursday were doing so before the cross, and it was all very vague to them. Those of us who celebrate the Lord's Supper now are post-cross. We look back on it, and we celebrate what God has done through Jesus. That's what this moment's for. So we're going to pray. I invite you to commune. This is not a time for children to have a little mid-service snack. or you know, This is really for those who have said, I'm in with Jesus. Being in being, I'll, I'll bring 5%, I'll bring 50, I'll bring 75%, but I'm here to celebrate Jesus. It's for you, so we invite you to do so. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of this day and that you give us an annual event to remember the greatest event that's ever happened in the history of the world and ever will until you return at least, and that is your resurrection from the dead and that empty tomb. We're here to meet you in life. We're here to remember you because you died, you were buried, and you were raised. May we never live again as if Jesus were dead. And may this moment be one that reminds us that you are alive forevermore. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we take the bread and we remember that God loves us so much that he gave his son, his body broken for us. We take the cup, symbolic of blood shed on our behalf, so that we can be freed from sin, our, our sins covered by the blood of Christ on the cross.
this action gives us hope for resurrection. Now, what's the most exciting and dramatic way to celebrate Easter? It is to have resurrection, is to find new life with Jesus. And uh, I know there's people who have come here today and you came maybe even unwillingly. You just, you were kind of forced into it for whatever, however you want to describe that. And, and I'm hoping that what you heard is a message where God says, I'm calling you to me. And this resurrection that he did for you, it's for you. Like, there, there's a thing that happens in a person's life that he gave us called baptism. It's an event that he, that he set up for, you, for people like us who are, we need to come to another tomb, the tomb of our own life. And we do experience a death, burial, and a resurrection. And that's what baptism represents. It's when a person goes with as much belief as you can muster, God, save me. Crucify my sins. Take them to the cross. Bury me to wash me and make me new. Raise me from the dead. That's what baptism represents. Next weekend, we're going to have a morning of baptisms here at Third City. And I just want to challenge you, if you've never taken that step with God, for whatever reason, you've never made that personal decision to take that step, I challenge you to consider it as your opportunity to start over with him. And, and you know, if, if you need help with this, what you can do is you can just read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John this week. I suggest Luke if you don't know which one to go to. And read it and just ask questions like, God, why would I? Why would I be baptized? Write down, write down a piece of paper. Like, here's a reason. Here's the reason why I'd come to you in this manner. This is why I might do it. And then just see how he speaks to you. You'll be amazed. And, and he will. I believe that. So next week, we have morning of baptisms. You know, for some of you, like Thomas, it took all you could muster to come back again to a church to the presence of God. But you did it today. And if you did it today, you can do it next week. So I hope that you'll join us for Morning of Baptisms. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.